Well, good morning. Welcome and happy Father's Day to you. We're so glad you're here. Good looking crowd this morning. We want to welcome you to East LJ Baptist Church. And uh, we want you to know here at East LJ, we've been captivated by Christ. We have seen through the gospel and in the Lord Jesus, the glory of our God, which is his grace and mercy given to us through the life, death, and resurrection of his son. And he has captivated us. We pray that this morning you would see his beauty and that you'd be captivated by him as well. Again, happy Father's Day. This morning as we seek to honor and encourage fathers, we also realize that for many today's a difficult day. Whatever your reason or your situation and circumstances may be, we recognize that. We want you to know we understand that. And we are praying for you this morning. But I want us all to hear the perfect love of the only truly perfect father the father of our lord jesus our heavenly father as he describes that to us gives that to us through paul in romans chapter 8 would you stand with me as we read from god's word in romans chapter 8 the scripture will be on the screen there and you can follow along verse 14 says for all who are led by the spirit of god are sons of god for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Skipping down to verse 35, Paul says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Verse 37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. Aren't you thankful for the love of God that's yours today in Christ? Aren't you thankful that you can cry out, Abba, Father, to the God who made all things, sustains all things, the God who gives us our next breath, God who is holy, 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 we can call him Father, because through Christ we have been not just forgiven, but declared righteous and made to be, by adoption, his sons and are co-heirs with Christ. What a salvation is ours, and I'm so thankful that we know this gospel but so many we come in contact with every day, our neighbors, our, whether that be co-workers, friends, family, do not know him. And we want to pray that, that we would be faithful witnesses to them. We also want to pray for the, the nations this morning, the Inta people of Myanmar, 103,000 in this unreached people group with only just less than uh, one-tenth of one percent who are believers, 72 believers among 103,000 people. So we want to pray for the gospel to run uh, through the hearts of the people there in Myanmar. Join me as we pray and also remember several others uh, who are either sick or grieving this morning. 
God, I thank you that no matter our earthly experience in family, we can, through Christ, call you Father and experience the family, the love of a Father that we were made to know. And I thank you that you brought us this relationship by the giving of your Son. Jesus, thank you for becoming man, living a perfect life in our place, going to the cross, and there bearing all of the wrath of God against our sin in our place. Being buried on the third day, raising from the dead in power and victory over sin and death. That we might be adopted into your family. Sinners declared righteous and made to be sons of God. Father, how we pray for those that we know that need Jesus. And I pray at the same time for ourselves. We pray that we would be more faithful and true witnesses to those who need to hear about you. God, we pray for all the unreached of the world, but especially this morning, the entire people of Myanmar. And we pray, God, that the believers there, would, that you would just clothe them in your power by your spirit and through the gospel and use them to reach the remainder of their people. Father, today we pray for a number of folks, thanking you for what you're doing in their lives, thanking you for answered prayer in the lives of so many of these. Today, God, we pray for Lana Weberg, Kathy Abernathy, Randy Piper, Jim Brooks, Lewis Putnam, Mayfer MacArthur, Denise Key, Kathy Rickert, Kristen Crunkleton, Pam Aldridge, Craig Hammontree, David Carmichael, Lance Stewart, Miss Helen Pinson, Jesse Green, Lucy Ray, Especially this week, Lisa Pulliam and Martha Grizzle. Uh, pray for my uh, great aunt, Eulen Cochran. And pray for Teddy Milton, Billy Sudine. Pray for the family of Greg Brew and families uh, of Peggy Shaw and the family of Doris Harden. God, you know each one of these individuals. You see the hearts of each family member who's grieving. And God, we pray that you would bring healing. Pray, God, that you'd bring comfort. And in it all, Father, may each one be drawn closer to Christ, whatever that may mean in their particular situation. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the privilege of worship. We thank you for being our perfect Father. We ask all this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. We had the joy of uh, Vacation Bible School this week, Monday through Thursday of this week. And we, first of all, just want to rejoice in uh, the salvation of two uh, young ladies. And so we just praise God for that this week. One, even this morning early, uh, before Sunday school. Um, and uh, so we just thank God for that. Amen. We want to invite everybody to stand up as we sing this morning. We're starting with the song, His Mercy is More.
songs have a theme with the father in it we want to say happy father's day and sing with all your heart
Father, we are overwhelmed every time we realize and remember and just take a minute to think about the fact that we are loved by you.
we know ourselves somewhat at least and yet nowhere near the way you know us we know our sin and yet you fully know the depths of our sin and yet because of Christ and because of your heart of grace and mercy you fully love us and you've declared us righteous in your sight through the righteousness of Jesus and his sacrifice has taken away the guilt of all our sins so that for us who are in Christ there is therefore now no condemnation ever again and we who were your enemies can call you father and you delight to call us sons and daughters how we praise you for your love how deep is the father's love for us oh God teach us more about who you are that we may be more like you in this world your beauty may be seen and embraced by more and more in Gilmer County and around the world. Father, come and be our teacher today. Speak to us from your word and we praise you for it. Thanking you that you are not silent, but you have spoken. You've given us the scriptures You've told us who you are. You've told us who we are and you've told, you've told us the good news of Jesus. You've shown us the best way to live out our lives, the most happy and joyful way. And God, you're so good in giving us scripture. And thank you that Jesus, the living word, is even present this morning by his spirit. So speak, we pray. Give us ears and hearts to hear. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. I don't know. Are we dismissing the children's shirts this morning? Yes, alrighty, we'll be dismissed to Children's Church. I'd invite you to turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Numbers chapter 13 and also chapter 14. We'll be reading uh, various verses in those two chapters in just a few minutes. And uh, that scripture will also be on the screen if you'd rather just follow on there. Numbers 13 and 14. Someone has said... A man is someone who rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects a greater reward. Oh, how our world, how our church, and our families need us men to be such men, especially for those of us who were dads. One Fox News article dated June the 11th of this year says it's well known that the current growth in religious non-affiliation, in other words, you don't have a religious affiliation at all, you're just, you're, a, you're a, a, what we've come to call nuns. This began sometime between 1986 and 1991, about 25 to 30 years after the start of the sexual revolution. In 1960, when you look back at history, you begin to see explosive growth in non-marital births and divorce. 
And this had the effect of shrinking the number of children who grew up with a dad in the home. Much has been written about the negative effects that that has on children ranging from poverty to mental health, low educational outcomes when the dad is not present in the home. It also turns out that it has a big impact on a person's likelihood of ever coming to faith of any kind. A four-decade longitudinal study of about 350 families and over 3,000 people across multiple generations published by Oxford University Press seeking to understand the reasons for effective religious transmission found that for religious transmission, that is for my faith to be passed down to the next generation, having a close bond with one's father matters even more than a close relationship with the mother. Clearly, the quality of the child's relationship with his or her father is important for the internalization of the parent's religious tradition, beliefs, and practices. Lee Strobel made the comment that a child's relationship to his parent, to his father in particular, serves as a template, creates a template for how that individual will relate to God for their entire life. Charles Spurgeon made that study real simple when he said this, if the father drops the reins, the family's coach will soon be in the ditch. And it's just that simple. Numbers chapter 13, we're just going to skip around here and, and read the story of the spies going in to the promised land and, the, and, and bringing back the report and, and the, the familiar story of particularly Joshua and Caleb. Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, listen, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. Verse 25 of that chapter says, At the end of 40 days they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong. And the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. That, that would be giant. Those were giants. Literally, physical giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negeb. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Chapter 14, verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. 
And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. Moses had interceded for the people. But truly as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despised me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he was a man of a because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing, I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward, who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But as for you, verse 32, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 years and you shall know my displeasure. What a tragic story. And yet in the middle of that story, this story shows us in Joshua and Caleb a great example of two real God-honoring men. As the text says, men of a different spirit. That is the need today for men of a different spirit. Here's the truth I want you to take home from Numbers 13 and 14 today. Every dad, every man, by the way, just... Let me clear this up at the beginning. This is not just a sermon for men. This applies to everyone in the room. How we're called to live as men in this particular message and, and how these men lived, how we need to live as dads, it's true for all of us. There's nothing that doesn't apply to anybody, so everybody stay tuned in, okay? Ladies, thank you for that. Every dad can honor Christ by being a man of a different spirit, a courageous spirit. How can... You as a dad, honor Christ by being a man of a different spirit. Well, first of all, Christ-honoring dads trust the promises and power of God. We saw it there in verse 30 of chapter 13. Chapter 13, verse 30. Christ-honoring dads trust the promises and power of God. It says, Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy the land. For we are well able to overcome it. Now, 10 of the 12 guys had just gone off on this long, depressing report. 
Oh, the fruit's great. I mean, they, they brought it back, and, and, and you can go back and read the description of the just amazing fruit the land possessed, that the land produced. It's a beautiful land. It's a fertile land. But the people are giants, and there's no way we could ever take this land. But then Caleb pops up. Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, what gives? How could Caleb say that in light of the facts that the other ten spies had just described? I mean, there were giants in the land. You see, he could say that because unlike the majority of the other spies, the other ten spies, he remembered the promise and the power of God. Write this down if you're taking notes. Faith is cultivated in the soil of assurance of God's promises and power. You want to grow in faith? Then get into the Word of God and read the promises of God. Understand the power that God says He will give to you. And you'll see, as you become more and more assured of His promises and His power, you'll see faith grow in your heart. That's the way it works. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? By the Word of God. In the context, that's talking about the gospel and saving faith, but it's true of everyday living faith. Amen? Uh, amen. Are y'all awake? All right. Just need to make sure we're checking in. All right. Numbers 13. Here's what Caleb remembered. Numbers 13, verse 1. He remembered what God said through Moses just before they left on the spy trip. Numbers 13, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. So, so, so it wasn't a question about whether or not the land would be theirs. This was not a spy mission where God wanted them to come back and make a decision. The decision was made. They were going in. God was giving them the land. He just wanted them to preview it. And Caleb remembers this promise of God and trusted the promise and power of God. You see, faith is cultivated in the soil of assurance of God's promises and power. One commentator says this, Faith reasons from God to the difficulties. It begins with Him. Unbelief, on the contrary, reasons from the difficulties to God. It begins with them. And so Caleb was living by faith. He was remembering the promises. He was remembering who God said he would be for his people. And he viewed the difficulties in, in light of God. But the other ten spies failed to focus on God's promises. Failed to focus on his power promised to the nation. And instead they focused on the difficulties. Numbers 13, 31. Just as soon as Caleb said, we are well able to overtake it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able Caleb, shut up and sit down. We are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we. And they go, they go on and on about how big they are, and at the end of the passage there it says, we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seem to them. 
they moved from a posture of faith before they left on their spy trip in the promises of God to a posture of fear just like that. In a matter of 40 days, when they left full of faith, God had said he's given them the land. Go take a look, God says. And they go excited, but by the time they get back, they've, they've moved from faith that God would give them the land, do what he said he would do to a place of fear. Fear, write this down, is cultivated in the soil of unbelief. You want to grow more fearful? Then let me just make a recommendation to you. Keep this book on the shelf. Don't read the promises of God. Don't learn about all God's done for you in Jesus and what God through Christ and by His Spirit and in this book will do for you in your life. Just leave it on the shelf and you will grow in fear. If that's what you want, then leave this book on the shelf. The only solution is this Word, is God's Word. Fear is cultivated in the soil of unbelief because let me just tell you what's going on in that whole deal. This book tells you what God can do for you. You leave that book, this book on the shelf, let me, tell you, let me tell you what you're left with. You're left with what you can do for you. How's that been working out for you? And see, it doesn't matter. Now, you may be sitting here, and, and you may, may pop up and say, I mean, you, you probably won't, but you may pop, want to pop up and say, it's actually going pretty good, preacher. Thanks for asking. I'm doing great. I'm, I've got this, i got life by the horns right now. Well, <laughs> just give it time. At our best, we're weak. At our best, we fail. At our best, we crumble under the pressure. Fear is cultivated in the soil of unbelief. These guys had heard the same promises of God, the same assurance that their God was giving them the land and would fight their enemies for them that Caleb and Joshua had heard. But they chose to forget all of that. All that stuff about God giving them the land. And they focused on what they could see, and those were giants. They chose to not believe God and make decisions based on their circumstances and the size of their enemy. Here's the deal. If you know what God says He's done for you in Jesus and what He will do for you by the power of His Holy Spirit as you seek to follow Him, then, then, then here's the deal. If you've heard that, then to live in fear is to choose unbelief. To live in fear is to choose to not believe what you've heard and what God said He would do. How about us, men? Dads, do you know and trust the promises and power of God? You know, just for a second, I, wanna, I just want to ask you, dads, maybe you're here this morning and, and, and you've never come to trust Jesus as Savior. Do you know Jesus' gospel promises to you? The Bible makes it clear that all of us, every single person that's ever lived except Jesus Christ, are sinners in need of a Savior. The Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin, what our sin, which is all we can do in this life, is, is disobey God. Our sin, the wages it earns us, is death. Everlasting death. Because God is holy and we are not. And he must judge sin. And, and he is infinitely holy. Therefore, the infinite price for sinning against an infinitely holy God is eternal death. And yet, 
the Bible says, but God demonstrated his own love for us and that while we were still sinners and enemies of God, Christ died for us. God sent his son for God so loved the world. You know how, you know how, God, how much God loved the world? Enough to send his son and, and, and he demonstrated his love by sending his son into this world to live a perfect life in our place as a true, the true God-man, go to the cross, bear in his own body our punishment, the, the, the wrath of God against my sin and yours. He was buried on the third day. He rose again so that now, though the wages of sin is death, God can look at us and in justice extend to us the free gift of eternal life. Full forgiveness, absolute righteousness, and forever with him in heaven. All because of what Jesus did. This is the gospel. These are God's gospel promises. I'm telling you something, Dad, if you're here today, if you're here, whoever you are, man, woman, boy or girl, if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus, these are Jesus' gospel promises to you. And all you've got to do to get what God's given is say, yes, I need a Savior. And trust that what God says is true about you, about Jesus, and about the connection through the gospel of Christ. Will you trust him today? Will you believe his power that Jesus paid it all, that it indeed was finished after the cross and in the resurrection? But dads who profess to know Jesus, are you trusting Jesus' great commission promises? You know the ones I'm talking about, Matthew 28. Do you believe them? Verses 18 to 20. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. Go, therefore, so here's my commission. The one with all authority is telling us, his followers, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Number one, are we as dads willing to obey that and, 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 and orient our lives around this, the Great Commission? What is your life about? That's what your life is about if you're a follower of Jesus. It's about making disciples of the nations. Everything else is secondary to that. And so are we willing to orient our lives around that? Do, do, we, do we think about our careers in, in terms of how they serve the Great Commission? Because that is how we should think about our careers. Does, it, does everything revolve around and center on our purpose on the planet as believers to get the gospel to the nations, beginning at home and beginning with our own children? And do we believe that in this monumental task that we've been given, Jesus is with us and he won't leave us, and he has all authority in heaven and on earth, which means he can give us everything we need to get the job done? Do we believe that? And do our lives reflect that? Matthew 24, verses 12 to 14, talks about it's kind of the same thing, but a little different. Jesus says, because lawlessness will be increased, talking about the end, end times here, which, of course, ever since Jesus was here, we've been in. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's what we can expect. The love of many will grow cold. Can I, can I just ask you this morning, is that you? Because that's not a good thing. When your love grows cold, there's destruction on the other side of that. If, if you don't turn that around 
and walk closely with Jesus and then seek him again, that doesn't end well. In fact, it says it's only the one who endures to the end that will be saved. Here's the bottom line. Just because we said a prayer back here one day, if we get to the end of our lives and we've not been following Jesus and we're not following Jesus in our lives, that, that's not enduring. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? And it, he says, it's, it, it's not the one whose love grows cold that makes it. It's the one who endures to the end, who still is trusting Jesus' promises and the power of God, his grace and mercy to them. He's letting God have his way in his life. That's the one that will be saved. He'll prove that he's been in a relationship with Jesus and not only known about Jesus, but been known by Jesus, that he's not one of those to whom Jesus will say, you thought you knew me, but I've never known you. Depart from me. And when the end comes, Jesus will return to take us to our eternal home where he's prepared us a place and where we'll forever enjoy and be satisfied in the Father's presence, gazing on the glorious face of our Savior. Dad, is your love grown cold? Are you enduring to the end? Is it clear and obvious that you're following after Christ? Dad, do these promises of Jesus serve as the foundation and motivation for your life. You see, if not, hear me, if, if the Great Commission and the gospel and, and getting the gospel to your children and to the world is not what your world is built around, hear me, your house is built on sand. And it will collapse. If not in time, forever, in eternity. Now here's the, here's the, here's the, the bad good news. We don't have what it takes to be these kind of men. Let me go ahead and just relieve the, the tension. We don't have what it takes. In and of ourselves, dads, we do not have what it takes, but God has all the power we need, and He's given it to us in Christ if we'll trust Him. Amen? Did the Israelites have what it took to overcome the giants of the land? Is that what Caleb was saying? No, but God had said, I will give you the land. And so, dads, and every Christ follower here, God has said, I will give you the land. I'll give you what it takes as you disciple your children. I'll give you what it takes as you disciple other men in the church of Jesus Christ. I'll give you what it takes to be witnesses to your co-workers and family members I'll give you what it takes if I call you to do it to either go to the ends of the world to take the gospel to the unreached or to give like crazy that people can go and take the gospel to the ends of the world. Romans 8 verse 11 promises us this. Listen, this is, y'all know this is one of my favorite verses. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So if Jesus' Spirit lives in you, you know, if you, if you profess Christ today, wouldn't you agree with this statement? When I trusted Jesus, He came to live in me by His Spirit. We tell our kids that. Jesus comes to live in you. He makes his, your heart His home. He comes to live in you. That's true. That's not just some Sunday school thing we made up. It's Romans 8, 11. And Paul says if that's true, then the same Jesus 
same, the same power, the same God who raised Jesus from the dead will give power and life to your mortal bodies. What does that mean? In the context, it means he'll help us overcome sin. He'll help us over, say no to sin and yes to God. He'll help us overcome sin and obey God. He'll help us do what God's called us to do. He'll help us take the land and deal with the giants that are so big in our lives. Every dad can honor Christ by being a man of a different and courageous spirit. How? By trusting the promises and power of God. But secondly, Christ-honoring dads challenge their families and churches to trust and obey God. Christ-honoring dads, men of a different spirit, challenge their families and their churches to trust and obey God. Joshua 14, verses 6-9. through nine. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh who were among those who spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, the land which you passed through to spy it out is exceedingly good. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only, here's the challenge, do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land. For they are bred for us. We will eat them alive. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Christ-honoring dads, men of a different spirit, challenge their families and churches to trust and obey God. You see, if a man truly trusts the promises and powers, power of God, he will consistently challenge his family to trust and obey God. His faith won't be a private matter. His faith won't be something he lets mama take care of with the kids he'll be a spiritual trailblazer for his family and he'll give leadership to his local church i'm thankful today for men all across this room who have for decades been that kind of man they've been caleb's and many of us have had the privilege and the joy and the encouragement to watch them and relate to them and know them and be taught by them be encouraged by them I'm thankful, thankful today for young men all across this room who are leading their families like Caleb, challenging their families to trust and obey God, just like Caleb did the nation of Israel. And you know, a man of a different spirit, a Christ-honoring dad, he'll give leadership in his local church, too. Hey, deacons, by the way, there's a great leadership lesson in this story, Amen. I said amen. It's right there. Are we men of a different spirit? Do we step up and and speak out the promises and power of God to our church family as leaders in the church? Calling people not to follow us, not to do do, do things the way we've always done them, but to do what God said the way God said. For the glory of God and the power of God. First Peter, or excuse me, how do I get First Peter out of First Timothy? I don't know. First Timothy 4, verse 12, young pastor, young leader in the church, young man in the church. So if you're young and God's moving you in the direction of leadership, listen, let no one despise you for your youth. Translated, don't let the old guys look down on you just because you're younger. If you're living right and following Jesus right, just follow hard. And let them say what they want to say. 
Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers, set the believers an example. You don't have to say a whole lot, just do it. In speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. You see, every dad can honor Christ by being a man of a different, even a courageous spirit. Men, hear me. Your families, our church, needs you to be a man of a different spirit. A man who challenges us to trust and obey God. Thirdly and finally this morning, Christ-honoring dads. Men of a different spirit follow God fully. Fully. Chapter 14 of Joshua, verse 24. But my servant Caleb... Because he has a different spirit. This is God speaking, by the way. And has followed me fully. I will bring into the land into which you went. And his descendants shall possess it. God was just about to destroy the whole bunch. When they came back and they got this bad report. And the whole nation's complaining against Joshua and Caleb and Moses and Aaron. And, and God's just about to wipe them all out. Moses intercedes, says, God, don't do it. For your name's sake, don't do it. God relents, but he, but he says this. Here's the deal. You 10 and everybody that listened to him, if you're over 20 years old, you'll never see the promised land. Imagine being those 10. They had seen the promised land. But because of unbelief, they would never possess it. They would never own as stewards of God, what God wanted to give them because of unbelief. But moreover, everybody that listened from 20 years up would never get there. They would die in the wilderness. God said, what you said, it's going to happen to you. You said all these ites would kill you. Yeah, they're going to kill you. They're going to kill you in battle when you're wandering around the desert. You're dead bodies. Do you hear how many times when we read that earlier it said dead bodies? It just kept saying dead bodies. You're dead bodies. Y'all going to die. And if you didn't hear me, you're going to die. And when it's done, your dead body is going to be laying there in the desert. That's what God said. This is what unbelief brings. It brings destruction. But Caleb, God said has a different spirit, and he's followed me fully. By the way, this same wording, this same language is used to describe Caleb in several other places. Numbers 32, verse 12, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 34 to 36. In both places, the, 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 the history is being told and the description is being given of the ten spies who did not wholly follow the Lord. And then it says in Numbers 32, verse 12, uh, none except Caleb will enter the land because none have wholly followed the Lord. Caleb fully or wholly followed the Lord. Again, C.H. McIntosh in his commentary says, they were living in the light of the divine presence while the whole congregation, Joshua and Caleb, were living in the light of the divine presence while the whole congregation were wrapped in the dark shades of their own unbelief. Joshua and Caleb were enabled in the simple power of faith to withstand a tremendous tide of infidelity. They held fast their confidence in God in the face of every difficulty, and he signally honored their faith in the end. 
When we fast forward in the story to Joshua 14, verse 7, I love this part. Caleb's speaking. It's been a minute, about 40 years. Remember those 40 years? They're up. In Joshua 14, verse 7, Caleb starts talking. He says, I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot is trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, Caleb says, Behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years, actually, since the time that the Lord spoke his, this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. What had happened in the 40 years? Everybody had died that God said was going to die. Then they had entered the land and they had taken the land in the interim five years. And so now they're dividing up the land among the tribes and peoples of Israel. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive just as he said these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. You say, is, is Caleb just cocky? Saying he's still as strong as he, at 85 as he was at 40? No. When he says, I've wholly followed the Lord, is he bragging? No. He's a man of faith who trusted the promises and power of God. And he believed that even at 85, God could still enable him to go whip the Anakim and possess the land God said he would give to him. Dad... Do you want your family to have all that God wants to give them? Or do you want to miss out on all that God wants to give you and your family? Do you want your kids to possess the land? I'm not talking about real land. Do you want to possess the land? Or do you want them to miss out and die in the wilderness? They don't have to miss out. If you'll follow him fully, trusting his promises and power, challenging your family to trust and obey God along with you, to follow your example in trusting and obeying the Lord, they don't have to miss out. So guys, we just got to get real. Is there any part of our lives that we're holding back from the rule of King Jesus today? Any part. Are there compromises that you're making and leading your family to make such that it cannot be said of you or me that we're following God fully? Does God have our heart as evidenced by the fact that He sets the priorities in our finances, beginning with honoring Jesus and grace given to the work of God's kingdom, and then in generosity to those all around us who are in need? 
Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hear me. If I don't follow God fully, if you don't follow God fully, your life of inconsistency will be a stumbling block for your kids. We are discipling our kids in something. We're either showing them how to follow Jesus or we're showing them how to love the world. That is passing away. So again, does Jesus rule your time and schedule? You know, weekly worship attendance ought not be an option in the life of a Jesus follower. Because God's word exhorts us not to forsake the assembling together of ourselves for worship. It tells us we need one another. We need the fellowship. We need the word together. It's a clear indicator of the weak and unhealthy condition of the church in America when we're told that regular church attendance, can you believe this? Regular church attendance is now defined as someone who attends church one or two times a month. Now, if you know me at all, I may just sound like, if you don't know me much, then I may just sound like some, you know, mean old preacher. That's fine. But if you know me at all, you understand, I'm not legalistic about church attendance. Don't, don't get me wrong. This is the, you know, if you, you, you could, let me tell you something. You can come every Sunday to church and still bust tail wide open if you don't know and love Jesus. Coming to church is all about knowing him and loving him more. That's what it's about. Doesn't make you better in and of yourself. Y'all ready to get real? <laughs> what we've been doing, preacher. When work, sports season, time on the lake, are more of a priority in our lives than the worship of Jesus with his church, and when we lead our family down that road, men, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when they grow up and Jesus and his church are just not a priority at all in their lives. When we've shown them that Jesus will take a, a back seat, he'll, he'll, he'll still be there when we get back from however many weeks of whatever you fill in the blank. But you see, if our leadership in our home shows our children that nothing is better or more satisfying or more important in life than God's goodness and grace in Jesus, then our children will have a much greater likelihood of personally trusting and treasuring Jesus. Christ-honoring dads follow God fully. And men, we can. It's not impossible. It's easily possible by his power and his provision. You see, Jesus came to us in enemy territory. He fought the battle on our behalf. He walked out of that grave, the victor, so that those of us who trust in him might not live lives of fear, but of faith. Jesus is the victor, and he'll give us the victory. We walk in his trail, and we declare that victory as we go about living in the land in between. And so, guys, it's time to step out in faith. It's time to trust our Father, to magnify His goodness towards us and not the obstacles in front of us, to throw off every weight and or sin that hinders us and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. When we do that, we'll be able to obey Ephesians 6, 4, 
Paul said, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. When we are being men of a different spirit, that will be the result in our children's lives. They will be brought up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Show them the beauty of Jesus, the joy of following him and living out his priorities that he's told us that we're created for. Every dad can honor Christ by being a man of a different, a courageous spirit. Not on our own, but in his power. Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21 as we close. You may think, man, that's a tall order. I don't, I don't know. Well, I do. He is able. Listen to this description of our God. Ephesians 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You may, you may say, Chad, I want what we've been talking about. Then ask him. And know that the one you ask is able to do more than you would even dare to ask him. You can't even imagine what God can do. Listen to me. Not in, over here in somebody else's life, but in your life. Do you believe that? I'm telling you, if you'll just believe him enough to ask, he is able to do exceedingly, did you hear it? Exceedingly abundantly. That's overflowing. I mean, that's more than overflowing. That's gushing out. Exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or imagine. And you know why he does it? He does it because he loves us, but he does it for his glory in this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you for showing us how to be fathers. Thank you for teaching us, giving us your word that this altar is open for you to come. However, you may need to respond to God's word this morning. Come and do that. If you need to meet Jesus as Savior today, please come. I'll be right here on the front row. I'd love to introduce you to him and help you, help you know him. Whatever your need, as we say. Who am I? The Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to
all God's people said, amen and amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Trey and Gianna.